Hey everyone, welcome back to part two of our interview season special on RPIF After Hours. Ananya, Mike, Katie, Ethan, and myself hope you can all use this episode to help prepare for your interviews. So without further ado, let's jump right back in. Um, and then with that, I just wanted to go back to Mike and ask, you know, you probably went through lots of interviews and over the, you know, over the course of interviews, we see candidates see that they are like improving constantly over time. They're becoming better at perfecting their elevator pitch. They're becoming more confident in their answers, you know, and what was, you know, the main, the main lessons that you got out of the entire interview process that you went through, um, you know, now two years ago? <laughs> Great question. I guess um, looking back, I guess one of the big things I think of is uh, do your homework. Um, do your homework goes from what company you're interviewing with, who you're interviewing with, um, your company finances, their pipeline, their mission statement, dropping the vision statement in like a higher up, uh, like more of like a third round interview, I think is huge. Um, some of the lessons, I think I've really just seen a lot of nerves, um, trying to remain calm, knowing that you're in this room, in this interview for a reason is something that I think is extremely vital because there's so much talent um, that so much talented candidates that apply every year they just don't portray portray that and i really like to see more of that um so i really think some practice but i also think some people get so involved in this application process that they become consumed by it um and it's okay to like you know take a step back don't rehearse your uh, your scripted answers over 10 times like just we want to see free thinkers calm down use your brain you've developed these problem solving skills over the past four to eight years as college now let's see how you do it absolutely thanks so much mike and also want to contrast that with someone who, you know, has gone through the interview process more recently. Katie, do you want to give us your lessons? What were your top things that you learned over the course last year, over the course of yeah. interviews? Yeah, definitely. I think to Mike's point about nervousness and also um, wanting to have those answers and be prepared, you know, companies aren't expecting you to be perfect. And I think a lot of companies would much rather have someone who is authentic and wants to show up willing to learn. So absolutely prepare, do your homework, but don't have these rehearsed answers. Um, have something personal for each company that you go into and each interview that you go into. Um, and don't be afraid to show a little of your personality to set yourself apart. Absolutely. I agree with personality. I remember the guy that told me he was in the NFL. And I remember, you know, all of these little quirks that people would say, oh, I like to garden. I like to, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, as an interviewer, you have like many, many candidates. And one way for you to differentiate them is by their personalities. So I, I definitely agree. Um, and then moving on, I wanted to ask, um, you know, Mo, how did these interviews, how do interviews in general vary from round to round? And um, how did they vary from company to company? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think uh, Ethan touched pretty, pretty well on uh, how they vary from round to round. I'll just sort of reiterate quickly. Um, it starts with general information, personal questions. Um, these are where you'll get a lot of the why questions. Uh, so when you hear a why question, think like, uh, it's time to tell a story, right? Um, and you know, the way to prep for why type questions, which you'll get a lot of in the earlier rounds is to actually just like think deeply before you get to interview about like, why am I doing this? Do it like, do I really want to do this? Or is it like, I'm applying to 10 different ones and I hope I get one. Like, I just want an industry fellowship. 
as opposed to some like deeply personal why. Um, so yeah, the beginning of the interview process tends to be more about why. Um, and then I think like later it tends to be more about like what, how, um, like, you know, what do you know? What do you, what did you say? How did you come to that answer, et cetera. So I think we're pretty covered on the different stages of interviewing. Um, company to company, um, you know, what I would say is you definitely sort of, there's a lot of things in common and there's a lot of things that are sort of hard to predict. And so I would say, don't bother trying to predict like how one company will vary. Uh, going back to what Katie said, be yourself, be authentic, um, right? They're picking you as much as you're picking them. So you'll get a sense of their company culture, um, but really just stay true to yourself and don't try to like fit in with different companies or anything like that. Um, but, but yeah, I would keep in mind that different companies are different. You know, one way you could scope that out is you could talk to people ahead of time, right? Talk to fellows, um, talk to fellows at different companies. If you can get some FaceTime with a preceptor and they're open to it, you know, feel free to speak to them. And by doing that, um, you'll get a, a sense of how different companies are different. Um, one kind of universal theme is that, um, uh, bigger companies tend to be um, sort of like a, a little bit more like structured and have like a, a lot of different processes and the smaller the company you might get more of like a free-flowing um, conversation where you meet with a bunch of different people in different functional areas so yeah. I, I would say just keep in mind that companies are different but all, at the end of the day focus on like yourself and being authentic. Thank you, Mo. I think that's really helpful. And just kind of piggybacking off of that, um, Ethan, I wanted to ask you, how do you assess fit with the companies that you interviewed with? Like, how did you know, like, even if you had multiple that you liked and had multiple companies that liked you, like, how did you know, like, this is the company I wanted to go with? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, I think it's, if not the most important thing during the interview process, it's got to be top two or three, because at the end of the day, what you're looking for is the best fit for you. Um, and that's different for everybody, right? Everyone has different personalities, uh, works better with different teams, but it was just, it's something that you kind of, you know, you get the hang of the more the each round that you go through. So I think during the, your fine session, you have an idea of which programs might stand out to you more than others. I know for me, the program I'm at right now, I'm at Bayer, their team really stood out above a lot of others, um, just personality-wise, uh, talking with the fellows, the preceptor. And that's really important, right? Because that's who you're going to be working with for two years, uh, if not longer, if you stay on afterwards. Um, but as you go on each round, you kind of have a, an idea of which companies you fit with, which you don't. Um, and I will say kind of one lesson I'll just throw in, go back to the previous question a little bit. Don't be discouraged if you know, one of the companies you had a really good fit with didn't work out and you didn't get, uh, let's say, a second or third round interview with, um, I really do believe ultimately you're going to end up where you were meant to be. And there's so many great programs out there. Um, and it, it really everyone that I've known has ended up in a program that's fit well with, with them. And I just think it's being authentic and true to yourself, um, just like everyone else has echoed. And I think you'll end up where you're supposed to be. Thanks, Ethan. I think that's definitely true. Um, and then, you know, 
I, I think you're assessing fit through the course of these kind of formalized interviews, but oftentimes these companies also have some sort of like social activity, um, some sort of virtual reception. Um, so I wanted to ask, and I don't know, you know, which of the members really want to talk about their reception experience. Maybe I'll start with Mike. You can, you know, talk about your experience, but uh, what did you gain from reception? How did you prep for reception? Did you have multiple receptions? Um, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, I can talk about my experience with receptions. Like I was, me and Anya and Mo, we were all in the same year together. So it was the first time the receptions went virtual as opposed to, it used to be like in-person at mid-year. Um, and so the companies were figuring it out just the same way that we were. So I, I attended three receptions and all of them had a, a little bit of a different structure. Um, one of them, it was all like the 10 to 15 candidates that were left in a room. And it was the candidates, the preceptor, and a, a one of the fellows. And everyone's just like, okay, everyone have a conversation. And I felt that it was a little awkward because everyone's trying not to step on anybody else's toes. So you don't want to talk too much, but you also want to talk enough to get noticed. Um, and I, I, I think what I did well during that was I, when I gave, like, a, when I added something to the conversation, I tried to really think about what I was going to say or say something that's going to be interesting. So you're going to have, you're going to get follow-up questions. Um, and then really you can also gauge, like, I guess, overall fit, like we were talking about before, between seeing how, how does your, how does the preceptor, how does the fellow, how do they interact with each other? How do they, how are they treating like the students or the candidates? Like, are they asking them personal questions? Or are they trying to keep it just strictly professional? Um, some of the other um, receptions I attended were you were split up into like small groups, but you're always with a couple other candidates. Um, I know now a lot of companies, um, I, don't, I forget the name of the website, they were like, you like kind of move a little circle over and you walk into like these virtual spaces and the closer you get to other people, the louder it gets, so you can join conversations that way. Um, but it's really, I would just say, really just try to stand out, but don't, don't dominate the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, and if if so I can much. double click on that, like, uh, yeah. so my advice is to, to, to not take it too seriously. Uh, like you're there to sort of socialize and get to know people a little bit more on a personal level with the caveat, as Mike said, that um, scope the room first. Not everyone, not every company treats it as a purely socialization thing. Most do, but others sort of use it as like a, a more professional setting but 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 double clipping on what mike said about like not saying too much not just about like how much you speak but i think one thing that's like a universal red flag is when um candidates have like almost like a, a self-conscious aspect where they feel the need to like one up other people um and so if you're like the person who someone shares their experience and then you're like well i had a cooler experience and i know more than you about this or that it, it kind of gives a negative signal that like you're trying to, to like, you know, stand out over everyone else. And it, it's, it's sort of not the right setting for that. Like that's what the interviews are for. Um, so just keep that in mind, like try not to sort of be like a know-it-all or like put other people down to try to make yourself look better. It is ultimately like a sort of a social reception. So keep it friendly, make good conversation. Don't take it too seriously. Thanks so much, Mo. And I wanted to, you know, contrast that with someone who's gone through the reception a little bit or went through it last year. Katie, do you want to provide your feedback on any receptions that you went to or, you know, what you learned from receptions or how, how, like what you said or what, you know, what your receptions were like? Yeah, I think I went to a couple different formats of reception. Some of them were on just Zoom and we did kind of, um, 
just icebreaker activities to kind of get to know each other a little better. And then other ones utilized spatial chat, which was that platform that I think Mike was talking about where you can move your circle. And I think it approximates an in-person reception about as well as you can on a virtual setting. But I think that the receptions are a really great opportunity to kind of showcase, like I mentioned earlier, your personality and talk about things outside of just your experiences and get let the fellows and preceptors kind of get to know you on a more personal level. Um, I think it's also a good opportunity for them to assess how you work well with others, though. And so something that I think is a good way to kind of stand out is if you notice somebody who maybe is having a hard time entering the conversation or is being a little quiet, kind of invite them into the conversation or ask them a question. And that kind of shows that you care about others in the group and you're interested in what everyone has to say and you're not being super competitive like Mo was talking about. Absolutely, Kay, that's a great point, thank you. Um, and then I wanted to, you know, kind of transitioning off of, you know, receptions and interviews, like after the interview, did you, did any of you, you know, go about doing some sort of post-interview thing where you set up and sent out thank you notes or emails or anything like that? Anyone feel free to chime in if you did. I can go ahead. Um, yeah, so I can't remember if I did. I'm pretty sure I sent a thank you for every interview. Um, I don't know if, if I recommend that you absolutely need to do that, but I'm pretty sure that I sent one after every interview. And then I do also have a tip. So, you know, you don't want to pester, you know, the interviewers about, you know, if you got a second round or third round interview, but there were a few programs I noticed that weren't getting back to me and everyone else had gotten back to me at that point. So I was getting a little concerned, you know, just wanted to hear back one way or the other. And I think one thing that I did was I, I had updated my CV so what I did was I sent my updated CV and was basically like, you know, here's my updated CV, uh, just in case things proceed to the next steps. I just wanted you to have my most recent version. And that kind of got the ball rolling. And then shortly after that, I heard back from both of the programs that, you know, was quiet for a little bit. So um, I wouldn't be too alarmed if you don't hear back when you think you should. Um, oftentimes, every functional area is and program has a different timeline. Um, but in general, I personally uh, did write thank you letters. It doesn't have to be super long or anything, just a quick email. Great to meet you. Looking forward to next steps, you know, something like that. Makes sense. Thank you so much, Ethan. And overall, I wanted to ask, maybe I'll start with Mike, but um, you know, the rest of you can also chime in. Um, what are some insightful questions that you asked during the end of your interview or how did you feel that you st stood out successfully in some of these interviews? I think the questions like at the end of the interview, when it's the candidate's turn to ask questions is one of the best ways you can stand out. Um, and the questions you ask can, can convey to the interviewer that you're, you really thought out what you're doing or you thought out your, this job role or what, why you want this. Like, I think like one of my favorites I used to ask in my interviews was um, what qualities are you currently looking for um, in, in your next fellow, and if selected to be that fellow, how can I separate myself from being just good to becoming great? Um, and then for like whatever they answer with that, they're going to give the quality to the job, and I'll know if I fit that description or not. And I'm also showcasing the fact that I'm not just doing this to just get a job. I don't want to be good. I want to be the best at what I'm doing. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting like questions you can ask, especially in those first round interviews. Um, the fellow about like you know maybe some of the experiences they've had. 
Um, because if you do get offered this position, you're going to be investing two years of your time into this. And just getting to see what, like, you know, the fellow interviewing you, if they've been there for already a year, you can really gauge like what they've been given and how they've slowly, like how the companies developed them. Thank you, Mike. I think that's really helpful. Um, does anyone else have anything to add? I th otherwise, I want to proceed to kind of let you all have time for final thoughts. So maybe um, I'll start with Katie. What final thoughts, questions, or, or not questions, but like tips or advice would you have for a candidate going through recruitment this year? I think be yourself, stay organized, and um, like I said earlier, show your personality. Um, you're all qualified for these positions. It's just finding ways to make yourself stand out and speak to your experiences and really find a place that you're going to be able to grow and develop and a company where you're going to bring value to a company. Absolutely. Thanks, Katie. Ethan, can I go next with you? Yeah, sure. So I think everyone's given a lot of great advice so far. Um, be prepared was definitely a big one for me. You know, go above and beyond even what you think the typical candidate might do to prepare. Um, find that team that really fits with your personality, both professionally and outside of work. So I think the receptions are a great way to do that as well. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, just put your best foot forward and, you know, don't, don't get too caught up in the results of everything. I've known a lot of great candidates who have gotten multiple offers. I know a lot of great candidates who didn't get any offers. So I think at the end of the day, you know, as long as you put in your best effort, um, you're all going to be successful somewhere. So that would be my advice. Thank you so much, Ethan. How about you, Mo? Yeah, Ethan uh, stole a lot of my thunder. I have a lot of <laughs> similar advice. <laughs> um, I think one thing I learned being on the other side of the table, uh, you know, this year and last year as well, um, it continues to amaze me how razor thin um, some of these decisions are with like who we advance to the next stage or who we ultimately go with. Um, it's, it's sometimes incredibly uh, razor thin and, you know, sometimes it's literally like the tiniest thing, right? Like the preceptor remembered that you sent a thank you note uh, and the other person didn't, um, uh, right? Things like that, the, like you, you went so far in your diligence that you actually like know which business school your preceptor went to and you went and like listened to one of his business professors lectures and asked him about that like just like a level of insight or or whatever maybe it's a thank you note maybe it's how kind you were maybe it's your personality but just keeping in mind that it is razor thin so on one hand if you don't get the offer understanding that it's not really a you problem it's like literally just how it is um and then you know as far as maximizing your chances of success keeping in mind that the little things matter and that little thing might put you on the other side of the razor, <laughs> the, the side you want to be on. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that would be my advice, keeping in mind how competitive it is, doing the, doing everything you can to set yourself up for success, but also not taking it too harshly if it doesn't go your way. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Mo. Great advice. And finally, Mike, um, do you have any advice as well? I guess it's like a little bit of a combination of everybody um, starting off and just take a deep breath. Um, a lot of people um, that are highly qualified do not get fellowships, like what Mo and Ethan were saying. And you should never take that as a reflection on you as a person. 
Um, like like no, like Mo was saying, these are razor thin decisions, and it could just be fit. It could sometimes decide the factor. And people need to realize that they're extremely passionate about working in the industry in any therapeutic area. Not getting a fellowship is not the end all be all. There are several other avenues. Um, and I try to express that to candidates that like this isn't the end of the world. Um, always be planning, have a plan B. And if you want to be somewhere so bad, you will eventually get there. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Mike. And with that, I want to kind of wrap up today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, and just wanted to say we'll come back soon with some other episodes. So keep stay tuned and we'll see you soon.